Hello and welcome to Gender and Geopolitics, my short series where I have quick 10-minute conversations with women who are doing incredible work around the world. My name is Emily Prey and I'm a senior analyst at the New Lines Institute in Washington, DC. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Yulia Mandel, author of The Fight of Our Lives, My Time with Zelensky, Ukraine's Battle for Democracy, and What It Means for the World, highly recommend. Uh, and Yulia was also President Zelensky's former press secretary. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Emily, thank you for having me. It's my honor to talk today. So you became the press secretary at age 32. What challenges did you face because of your age and because of your gender? Uh, yeah, first of all, let me explain to the audience that when Volodymyr Zelensky, now the president of Ukraine, came to power, he was super popular as a rock star. Everybody wanted to work for him, and he opened uh, the transparent competitions for top political positions, as well as for the position of his press secretary. And I was one of 4,000 applicants who won this position. Uh, it's like amazing uh, still uh, up to now to understand that it happened in my life. Um, but imagine also me, 32-year-old female, sitting at the table uh, with uh, males who considered himself well, themselves very powerful, you know, who were much richer uh, in many ways. And in many ways, they thought that my voice was not important. And definitely there were a lot of challenges, especially dealing with the fact that uh, the team of uh, President Zelensky was uh, new to the politics. And for instance, as a press secretary at the very beginning, uh, I had misunderstandings with then uh, the chief of staff of uh, the office of President Zelensky. Uh, he considered that it was not needed for the president to talk to the media. And that's why the press service uh, was a band of answering media inquiries, organizing the interview with the president and even commenting on the smallest issues. And that vacuum of information was playing against the president and against the team and against uh, me as press secretary but I really needed to fight it from inside and I was uh, was accused for this from outside but I couldn't explain to media what was going on and how difficult it was but uh, with time President Zelensky saw that I was doing the job and that I was persistent and you know it took a lot of energy and efforts um, but when uh, he called me to say that he trusted me and when we started organizing interviews for different media especially especially so important interviews as in front of the Normandy meeting where they discussed peace in Ukraine together with four leaders of France, Germany, Ukraine and Russia. You know, then it became clear that media could be, you know, our friends uh, in sharing the message to the world. And then he understood that actually democracy dependent in many ways is dependent in many ways in uh, uh, being transparent uh, with media and with the people. Um, so it was also one of my fights, <laughs> one of my fights of my life. And I'm happy that I had that experience, um, but it took the efforts, of course. I think that a lot of our listeners, what you said about our women's voices not being uh, viewed as important or powerful enough, I think that will resonate with a lot of uh, women who are tuning in. And it very much resonates with myself as well. 
Um, and also your point about how important media is for democracy. I mean, we can see what Putin, uh, how he uses propaganda and how the Kremlin uses their rhetoric uh, in this war in Ukraine, which has genocidal intent. Um, so why is it so important to have women and to have a diverse group of people at the decision-making table, not just during the war, but also in the post-war? Uh, well, first of all, let me say that this is about uh, fundamental justice for the reason that um, people and diversity groups, we all represent the society. If we represent the society, then we need to be at the table uh, taking the decisions about the society, correct? The second thing, um, uh, you know, all of us have different life experiences, and that's why we all have different uh, opinions, uh, different uh, angles of view on the same issues. And that's why we can come up, you know, with, with larger um, context for creating decisions and with more creative, actually, decisions, uh, which the modern world with uh, this rapid development of technologies really demands from us. Uh, so, of course, uh, I consider that females and diversity groups must be included so that we come up with the best decisions for the most urgent needs of the society. And that's, this is a topic that we've spoken about a lot on gender and geopolitics. This is just reminding me of a past episode with Russia Jarkum from Yemen, who works on peace building and spoke all about the importance of having women in peace building processes. And hopefully Ukraine wins this war soon and we can get to the level of peace building and the level of including, making sure that we include women in diverse voices. You know, uh, you know, uh, if I may say, like mm -hmm. Ukrainian female, they showed um, to the whole world that they treat themselves equally in the Ukrainian society. And actually, we are the society that are fighting for freedom. And you cannot feel free and stand for freedom if you treat some members of your society unequally. This is like very contradictional things, right? So Ukrainian females, they are on the battlefield, uh, literally having rifles, uh, taking the most important roles together with men. Uh, of course, definitely not in the same proportion, but uh, they are volunteering uh, and this is not like someone is forced to do something. But other females, they also stayed in Ukraine and we have the whole rare which is defended by females, like mm -hmm. taking humanitarian aid, bringing the most important things, delivering also weapons, you know, standing on the front lines of diplomatic, uh, 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 you know, uh, ways. So uh, what I mean is, you know, Ukrainian society is fighting for freedom. That's why we need to include everyone uh, to feel really free and equal in the society. And I think this is something that we can share with the world as a good idea, as a uh, correct idea of the developments. Absolutely. It's it's so important for Ukraine, of course, to win this war, but it's so important for the rest of the world because you are truly upholding the ideals of democracy and freedom. And if we are fighting for the democracy, we need to be democracy, right? We yes. cannot oppress someone to fight for democracy or for freedom. Yes. Um, so looking at the last week and all of the the gains that have been made by the Ukrainian military and the territories that have been liberated. What are the feelings on the ground right now? And, and what does it feel for you to be a Ukrainian woman witnessing all of this? 
So on one hand, Ukrainians were celebrating the counteroffensives because we were waiting for this for a long time and because a lot of territories were regained back. Uh, and we showed to the world that we can regain the territories with the help of, you know, our partners. On the other hand, you know, our hearts were bleeding and my was bleeding and I was hardly crying, seeing and reading all the news because what we reveal after the occupying the territories is, you know, uh, bringing up the horrors from the 20th century, from the uh, World War II, from the, you know, genocidal practices, from, from the artificial famine. We found at least uh, 445 civilians and uh, 17 of servicemen in a mass grave only in one town that was liberated. But, you know, there are many more and it's really scary to think what we will reveal after we occupy all the territories. But also what I see, we can say that Russia is preparing hugely right now and preparing more and more army uh, and battalions uh, to uh, and threatening us that they will, you know, have more attack. So these are very contradictional feelings, but we don't have a choice. And we believe that we fight for what we believe in, like for our values, for the land that we belong to, for our families and homes and for the democracy, because and, and we believe that democracy must show to the autocracy that it is stronger. This is the only way how we can win this war. And so speaking of winning the war, how can countries, including the U.S., support Ukraine? What's the best way? Well, first of all, we ask not to stop and uh, not to get into fatigue for the reason that we need to fight until Russians continue this war and, and kill people. And second thing, we ask for weapons very much because this is the only way how we can fight outdated army and outdated weapons of Russians. We never invited them. If they want to negotiate, if they want Russia to finish this war, they can take out their army out of Ukraine. This is the most logical uh, way, uh, you know, to, to start negotiations for peace. Until they do this, they just occupy the territories, they terrorize our people, and they continue tortures, mass murders, rapes, etc., etc. Yulia, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on Gendering Geopolitics. I highly recommend everyone to read her new book out now, The Fight of Our Lives. And please keep up the good work. It was such a pleasure speaking with you this morning. Emily, thank you for having me on this platform. It's really you know, my pleasure to talk to your audience. Thank you for raising this issue. Of course.